0: The Authentic Accountant is sponsored by Intuit. Intuit helps you leverage the latest technologies and works with you to create tomorrow's future innovations for your firm. Visit quickbooks.intuit.com. Welcome to the Authentic Accountant Podcast with Seth David and co-host Erica Ed. If you've ever wanted to know the real story behind the most successful business leaders in the world today, stay tuned. Every story doesn't have an instant success peaches and cream background. We'll ask the questions that need to be asked and get the true stories of success. Now, here is Seth David and Erica Ed. Hey everyone,
1: welcome to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. My name is Seth David. I'm sitting here with my co-host.
2: Hey guys, I'm Erica Ed.
1: And we have an incredibly special guest today, which we're going to get to in a minute. But first, Erica, do you know what I was doing this morning? Tell me. When I got up this morning, after getting dressed and everything, I went to my computer. Yeah? And the first thing I did, I fired up QuickBooks Online. Of
2: course you did.
1: Of course, it. right? The first thing I do every day, I open up QuickBooks Online and I just check everything. I make sure that everything's in check, that everything looks good, and I love that. I love because by now I've been using it for so long that all my rules and bank fees are all set up and memorized, so it's like in 30 seconds, I've caught up on a week's worth of banking, and I know I'm set to go into the weekend, and I'm ready to party. Yep.
2: The automation of it is, yeah, you can't
1: beat it. I even set up a rule for Best Buy, so if something is over $500, it automatically goes to an asset, and if it's under $500, it automatically goes to the expense. All automated. Beautiful. Amazing, right?
2: Beautiful. Beautiful. Love it.
1: Anyway, that's what I love about QuickBooks Online. It starts my day off right. Some people start off their day with a hearty breakfast. I start my day with QuickBooks Online. Everybody should. We should have, you know what they had? It was just funny. There was a picture they had. It was like a cereal called QBOs. Right? Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, I actually saw a picture or something like that. There, <laughs> were, there was like a little cereal, and it was QBOs. Like Cheerios. Like Cheerios, like that. QB. That's that would
3: funny. be awesome.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. So, anyway, let's get into this today. We have a guest who I have known personally for a very long time. He genuinely is one of my favorite people on the planet. And I'm not just saying that because he's sitting here, I'm saying that because I've actually met with the guy in person many times. We've collaborated on clients together. And he's just like, you can't ask for a nicer guy to be a colleague. And to be able to call him a friend is just an absolute honor. Mike. Welcome to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. You've been tapped. I've been tapped? Yes, I'm T-A-A-P, the Authentic that. Accountant Podcast. <laughs> a good eight. I guess I'm tapped. <laughs> I've been tapped. So what I want to do is talk about your journey as an entrepreneur in a what it was like, what happened, and what it's like today format, right? So going back to... You know, and, and you started or eventually found yourself in your career as a state trooper I know. Then you opened up some restaurants and eventually landed as one of the top guys at Finograph. You said you're the vice president of customer success. Did I get that right? Did I remember that? That is, right. is right. That's the official title. But really, you're the face, right?
3: I am the face. Uh, not the belly, not the bald head. I'm the face.
1: <laughs> right. So the Jersey Shore had the situation. Finagraph has the face. That's right. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> so before we get into State Trooper, Restaurant, Finnegraph, tell me what you were like in high school. What were your interests like back then? Uh, you, you know what I tell you. What
3: I always had this personality. I think you know. I mean, I was just like that. I, I, I vice president of my senior class, three sport athlete. Uh, you know, always wanted to be. I mean, I I had the lead role in in in, in school plays. Uh, always active. Always wanted to be there. But uh, myself, I kind of grew up. I know everybody says that and those type of things, but I was the trailer park kid that, you know, was just kind of scrappy. Uh, didn't know how to lose because I just fought through everything. Uh, but my family has a long line of history in the military, and that's what I thought I was going to do. I was going to go right into the military right after high school uh, and spend most of my time and most of my life uh, as a career military person. Uh, my dad was a Marine. Uh, my my, <laughs> I won a scholarship to Wentworth Military Academy, uh, and actually went there for school for the first few years and became a second lieutenant at the age of nineteen uh, in the army. Uh, yeah. Only reason he let me join the army instead of the Marines was uh, I was going in as an officer. <laughs> he said he said well, going to be a grunt guy who's going to have to join the Marines, and I, I don't blame. <laughs> So, uh, it, so that's, that's kind of, you know, that started off all, you know, the interest in, in the military. I thought that's where I was going to go. I had no interest at that point in time in business. Uh, I was a worker, right? I, and, and that's, I think, is my primary strength today is I'll just work. You know, I'll just go do the work because uh, I don't know any different. Mm-hmm.
2: So you did serve in the military or you did not?
3: I did. Uh, I you did. did? I did 16 years in the National Guard uh, in Missouri. Wow. Look I at that. that. Interesting. Yeah, I was one of those hoo a guys, right? I was a paratrooper, went to jump school, I was aerosol, repelled out, you know, just like what's on the back of your wall there. Uh, they're climbing up, but I, we, you know, that, I repelled down out of helicopters, uh, you know, was an infantry guy and then became a, a military policeman for about 11 years. Uh, but no. hard. So, I mean, it was, it was just, uh, I was the weekend warrior. Wow. Yeah.
1: It sounds like you're the guy who stopped the weekend warriors. Sometimes, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sometimes I do.
3: And what I think you're referencing is uh, my first career, right? And Seth, I've got to tell you, my resume is so messy, I don't think you can get to this point following my path. <laughs> it's just a series of lucky things that just happened all along my life.
1: Okay, so how did you end up getting from the military into state trooper uh, I was recruited, right? I mean, while you're at the military, I,
3: uh, the military academy I went to was in Lexington, Missouri, which is just kind of outside Kansas City. Uh, and because I was in Missouri, the uh, patrol sent a recruiting team there and just wanted to see who, would, who was interested in becoming a state trooper. Uh, and as soon as my formal military training was up, uh, I went through the application process with, with the patrol, uh, ended up setting a physical record. I, I know you probably don't know this, not, but I set a physical record uh, during the physical qualification. Uh, and and, uh, and you know went through and,
1: and what's funny is what,
2: that, what what was that record? What record did you set?
1: Yeah, fast. I, I, I know I look chubby and all that right now, but I was. Super you can't fast. leave us hanging, yeah. <laughs> all right, so you set a speed record.
3: They, they had the shuttle run where you just ran back and forth in the gym like, I don't know. oh, yeah, it was probably only five times, but it seemed like 25 times. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm positive. I have busted up my knees because of running shuttles and it's been playing sports and stuff.
3: But <laughs> yeah, yeah I
2: know, I'm familiar
3: with the shuttle. <laughs> uh, so, so apparently in police work,
1: they like fast guys. <laughs> <laughs> funny thing about that
2: so ironically ironically about, in crime they do too
1: <laughs> when I was in high school I played basketball not for my high school for like a youth league and what you're talking about I think is what we used to call suicides you'd yeah. run from the baseline to like the foul line and then back, and you have to touch the floor and come back and then you go to the halfway and come back we used to call those suicides because that's what it would do to you. That's what you felt like, yeah. Yeah. So I want to know, what was your most bizarre experience pulling somebody over as a state trooper? Oh, man, I, it, there are so many.
3: I mean, it, it's just absolutely the most bizarre. Uh, believe it or not, it, it, it's really relevant to today. Uh, imagine you're on I-70, which is like, uh, well, maybe what is that? And this is where? Where were your state trooper? Uh, I was in St. Louis, Missouri, right? Okay. And, okay. If, you want, if you want to experience being a police officer, Go to St. Louis, you're going to see everything, right? It's probably. Hey, Did you run come into, come into, come into, into, into any vampires? Uh, yeah, we had vampires. I mean, occasionally there was a, a werewolf. There was a. Oh, <laughs> 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 um, And when the, when the Grateful Dead came to town, I mean, everybody was a vampire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so bizarre experience, I 70. Let's hear it. Uh, yeah, I 70. So think about any major you know, interstate that, that you're around in a major city. And I pulled over a U Haul van. Right, just a U-Haul van. You know, you've seen the small box trucks. Wow. Uh, and when we looked at the back, first of all, there was a whole hit series of questions where the driver didn't know where he was going. He didn't speak a lot of English. Uh, and I say it's revel- relevant today, and this is 1993. ninety-three, will say. Uh, I pulled up the uh, the back of the van, and there's 30 illegal immigrants oh, in wow. the back staring at me. So imagine by <laughs> I'm myself on the side of the road, and there's 30 people looking at me. You know, out the back. Wow. And their, their mothers, their daughters, they had food all with them. I mean, you know, they, they were traveling across the country in the back of the U-Haul van. So, I mean, you know, it, it's it's scary and, you know, interesting at the same time, you know, how, how they're willing to travel to go through the country. Wow. Well, wow. Well, so did you call for backup? What would you do? Uh, well, I mean, you know, at that point in time, you do get the government involved, right? I mean, if there, you find 30 people that, you know, have no documentation or no legal right to be in the, in the nation... Uh, you know, you get immigration. Involved. Right. Hmm. Uh, which really turns out to be uh, Mike doing 10 hours of fingerprints.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Exciting stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a lot of that. paperwork.
1: <laughs> Put your finger here. I remember that. I had that experience once. I was on the other side of it. Yeah. You know, but I St- said St-
3: I did have other great experiences. I mean, I, I was on the, uh, what we called the CERT team, which most people know as the SWAT team. Uh, But we labeled our CERT as Special Emergency Response Team. Uh, You know, and there were hostage situations that were, you know, high-risk arrest warrants, uh, manhunts, those type of things. I mean, it it was a great experience. And I'm sure if we sit down sometime uh, over a
1: glass of iced tea, we'll uh, (laughs) hear the story. (laughs) He's being very polite because he knows I haven't had a drink in 19 years. You can have the beer or the wine. I'll have the iced tea or the Shirley Temple. So... I'm sure you had some fascinating experiences. I would love to hear more, but I want to get into. So, at some point, we got from state trooper to restaurant tour. How did that happen? Uh, well, it, I, I married young, right?
3: Uh, I married at 20 years old, and uh, you, you know, with a woman I fell in love with in, in college, and uh, we had three daughters. And after the third daughter, my family outgrew my income. <laughs> 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 and, and, and and it was her, right? It, she's writing out my student loan check you know, and go, Hey, you know this thing we pay for every month? Uh do you mind using that degree? And what <laughs> did you say in college? Uh, huh? What did you study in college? You Uh, skipped over that. Yeah, I was a management major. I mean, I I was always wanting to be business. Uh, You know, I started off as a psychology major, and, uh, well, I'm not smart enough to be a psychology major. (laughs) So (laughs) I I changed my major to to management because it
1: seemed like uh, I I could do that better. uh, But wait a minute. I missed something because if I understood correctly, you said back in high school and whatnot, you were headed straight. People in the military had no interest in business. So how did you get interested in business along the way? When did that happen, and how and why? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it, it was at it was actually uh, when
3: you went to the military academy. Uh, it's the same thing as the first two years of college. You declare a major and go down the path. Uh, and I'll be frank with you, uh, I chose psychology, and it was it was just I was not doing well. Right? It just wasn't. <laughs> What well, wasn't for me. I, you know, I, I, I just I, I'm, there are smart people that can figure that out. I wasn't one of them. Uh, and, and I had a friend that was in a business course. And I'm like, oh, that makes more sense. <laughs> so it <laughs> okay. was easier, right? It was just easier. right? And for whatever reason, you know, people have different capabilities of learning different things, and business seemed to work for me.
1: Right. Okay. So now back to you're sitting with your wife. She's writing the check to pay for your student loans. Yeah. And she says, hey, maybe we should put this to use. Yeah, now all this money that's going
3: out the door, should we use it? And I'm like, going, I'm making a difference in the world. I'm fighting crimes. One speedy <laughs> at a time. <laughs> so, so, so the checkbook, uh, you know, the, the checkbook uh, told me that it was time to make a move. Uh, and you know what, Seth? That is the hardest decision that any of any one of us make. You know, I go purity security of seven years being in state government, I probably had good benefits, I would think. Yeah, great benefits, great retirement system, an association that protects you. Uh, job security, like, you wouldn't believe. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, once a state trooper is trained and you get so many years under your belt uh, and you're just doing your job on a daily basis, you have a job for life, right? Mm. And that's basically what I saw myself. But at the same time, I could see what I was going to look like 40 years from now, right? I could see my pay scale, right? That, that That's what I, you know, even at 40 years on the, uh, you know, on, in the patrol, I could see what my salary was gonna be and I didn't like it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so I'm like, going, I don't wanna waste 40, 40 years trying to get to a position I can be at tomorrow with this degree. Mm-hmm. Right? So, uh, so we made the choice, and, and, and it was a tough one, and, and it was scary, right? and, and for anybody out there that's contemplating you know, leaving a secure job, an employer, and trying to do it on their own, it's scary, and believe it or not, you put your own money at risk. You know, and, and, you know, I would always learned that, hey, the 401K, the stock market, all these things. Well, what I learned later, I'll tell you the end of the story, is that I'm more willing now to bet on myself than I was the stockbroker or the guy running the uh, 401K. I'd rather put my money now, but that's a hard thing to do when I said, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know I can work hard, and I'd rather take a chance on me than somebody else.
1: And you're at a young enough age where it was... Not quite as risky, like to make a move like that now would be much more risky, I would think. Yeah, I mean, I was 29 years old when I, when I
3: left the uh, left the patrol, right? 29 years old, I'm like, well, even if I fail, even if I run out of money in two years, I can go get another job.
1: So scariest thing you've ever done, we're going to get into in our second segment, the what happened part, we're going to talk about like, what's the scariest thing you've ever had to do, the hardest thing you had to go through as an entrepreneur. So I don't want to get ahead and get into that just yet, but you touched on it. You know, that this may actually be that experience was making that decision to transition from being employed, good job and benefits to actually starting off on your own. So we'll come back to that part. But for now, what I want to talk about is why restaurants, how restaurants, like you're in the kitchen talking with your wife. Did you just say, you know what, I think I'm going to go get into the restaurant business or was there a longer road there?
3: Uh, Actually, that was the second third, that was the third part, I added restaurants to some other things, but I, in in high school uh, and through college, I worked in, at, in a restaurant, I was a dishwasher, a busboy, a waiter, a bartender, you know, I, I did some cooking, those type of things, so I had a lot of experience from 15 through 22 uh, in restaurants, but that wasn't the first part, I mean, I, I actually started in janitorial, <laughs>
1: yeah,
3: interesting, yeah, I like it, yeah, and you start in janitorial because if there's one thing you do in the military or you do in restaurants is you clean. So I thought, yeah, that's right. You know, I, I can clean. <laughs>
2: that's what they say, right? If you got time to lean, you got time to clean.
3: Exactly right. That was the first thing <laughs> uh, the chef told me. That's, that's right. <laughs> then guess
2: that, what? That I was is... the
3: guy leaning. I was the guy leaning. That's how I found that out.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Oh yeah.
3: So you were janitorial at a restaurant or somewhere else? Uh, I was I was actually uh, partnered with another guy to open. He wanted to expand his business, and he gave me control uh, of the middle of Missouri, and he made me the king of nothing. Oh, so you actually worked for, like, a janitorial service, a
1: cleaning service?
3: Yeah, and I was like a franchisee. Uh, you know, I had
1: my own heart, Uh you know. Oh, that's interesting. All right, we're going to have to come back to that in a minute, but we got to take a quick break. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to learn what – what, what it was like. We learned what happened. Now we're going to talk about what it was like.
0: Oh. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Intuit QuickBooks is dedicated to powering prosperity around the globe for accountants, small businesses, consumers, and the self-employed. With products and services like QuickBooks Online Accountant and the QuickBooks ProAdvisor Program, accounting professionals can save time, grow their practice, and act as strategic advisors to their small business clients. By working together as partners, Intuit can help you leverage the latest technologies and work with you to create tomorrow's future innovations. Go to books.intuit.com to find out more. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Nerd Enterprises Incorporated is a numbers agency. We offer a wide range of services, from bookkeeping to financial modeling and cash flow projections. Our consulting services enable you to do what you do best by giving us the accounting and back office tasks that we do best. Nerd Enterprises, Inc. is one of the worldwide leaders in QuickBooks, Microsoft Excel, and other productivity-based training. If it's one-to-one or one-to-many, we log in with you, so you can share your screen and we get you through it plus all sessions are recorded so you can review those recordings anytime you like afterwards for more information visit nerdenterprises.com. when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network You are listening to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. To find out more, email seth at nerdenterprises.com. That's seth at nerdenterprises.com. Now, back to the Authentic Accountant Podcast.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. I'm still here with my co-host, Erica, and our incredible guest, Mike Milan, Vice President of Customer Success at FinneGraph. So, Mike, when we left off at the break. You had left the military, state trooper world, and decided to go into business. And and you know our format here is we talk about what happened. Did I get that right?
2: What it was like. What it was like. What happened,
1: and what it's like today. And what's like today. So yeah. so we heard what it was like. We heard your journey. Right now we're getting into the entrepreneurial phase of it, and you were working for. I mean, I guess like a cleaning service, a janitorial service, and you said it was a franchise. So were you actually a franchisee or you just worked for one? No,
3: uh, what, what he did is he took a chance on expanding his business. Uh, he was a Kansas City janitorial service. Uh, and, of course, I was on the St. Louis side. And he says, yeah, I'm going to invest in you because I, I like you, right? So I, I'm going to invest in you, and I'll set you up in an office, and I'll give you 10% of everything that comes in. Nice. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm like going, I, I didn't know what that meant. But what he did was he says, I'll supplement your your salary where you make exactly the same as a state trooper. Uh, you know, so he gave me exactly the same. Then on top of it was the bonus, right? It was the 10% the bonus. The
2: 10%. Yeah. Cool. So, you
3: know, I'm like, well, that sounds good to me because, it, it, you know, outside of the benefits were it is great, but at least dollars coming in uh, were the same and or potential to be higher. Uh, so I, I got leverage there. And I love it. Yeah. So, it,
1: in other words, he, he hedged you, right? You were hedged because you, no change in lifestyle. Exactly. What we did is we built a,
3: uh, we built about a $3 million business in about 24 months. Wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, we just, but we went after big clients. I mean, I had, I had uh, buildings on the University of Missouri in Columbia. Uh, we had Dana Manufacturing, 3M, Scholastic Books, Unilever. Uh, you know, we, we, we did industrial janitorial. So it's not like we're just planning medical offices and things like that. We did industrial janitorial. Right. Uh, so, I mean, I actually tripled my income the first the first year. That's amazing. Uh, it, you know, just because of it. Now, because of that, though, um, I, I had the buck. I'm like, well, I'm already kind of doing it. I don't think I need him anymore. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and so I took the money that I had saved uh, and broke off because the difference between what I did when I broke off is not to compete with them, but I had met a lot of people in the hotel business, uh, and the hotel people were coming to me saying we have problems finding dishwashers, we have problems finding housekeepers, we have problems finding. That's right.
1: I I found I, that's what I was good at. I was actually good at recruiting people for the business. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. I remember you telling me that you had a staffing company for hotels. My,
3: my first business on my own was the hotel staffing company. That's awesome. uh, so, I mean, and what I did was, you know, I, I put in a resignation. I took the money I'd saved uh, and I actually started in the hotel staffing company with just one hotel.
1: So how happy was your wife by now? I mean, you did probably so much better than you expected. Yeah. As soon as she was happy, then I quit that job and went on my own. let's see if we can throw a monkey wrench right into this plan no
2: doubt that's
1: awesome hey I know you're happy I know money's coming in pretty good
3: Uh, but I'm going to start over from scratch (laughs) Oh, and and what we didn't know at the time Seth what we didn't know at the time is that what scratch meant was that I was going to take all the money that we had saved and use it (laughs) and not get a paycheck for 18 months Wow. <laughs> and so, I mean, th- that's what the scary part was. I mean, there was times, there were times when I didn't know if I could make payroll. I didn't know, you know, if, if things were going to work together. I mean, I worked out of my basement. Uh, uh, you know, for that first eighteen months, it was just piecing together credit cards, a home equity line, all of my savings, uh, not taking paycheck for eighteen, months, and we burned through it pretty fast. Uh, until so it's interesting
1: because. both businesses sort of came to you, right? The janitorial thing came up and it was an opportunity to start off. And you reminded me when I started my business, I hedged myself by, um, what do you call it? By making sure that I had a financial model that spelled out how I could make at least as much as what I was getting paid at my last job. So a similar kind of thing. And we're talking this morning in our group about how, Difficult it can be and what you say to somebody who says hey, I want to go start a business that can be the scariest thing So now I I want to know this what was the scarier thing to go through leaving full-time employment to go to that first entrepreneurial opportunity or starting from scratch after saving all that money and having that conversation with your wife Where you just said hey, honey, we're gonna start over from scratch Uh, Well,
3: I actually the first one was more scary than the second one. Okay, the first one was leaving state employment And going to go see, you don't know if you can do business until you do it, right? Right. Uh, Now, what I had was, you know, almost two years in the janitorial business that I saved up enough money to say, I've got it. I've seen every aspect of the business. I ran my own office. We had about 120 employees at that point in time. I'm not going, I built it that fast. I ran it that fast. I built a management team. It was all about processes, so I felt confident in me after two years of experience doing it, you know, with, with a hedge bet.
1: Mm-hmm. So would you say that the way you got through that initial fear was based on the fact that you eventually became aware you were going to be hedged, that he was going to be able to pay you the same as what you were making then? And if not, what, did, what, what would you attribute to your ability to get through that fear? All right, so and,
3: and let me separate out because the second one, when I started on my own and left, left the janitorial service and went to hotel staffing, uh, the fear didn't set in until about ye- uh, month nine, right? So the initial decision was easier on the second one, but the fear was greater at month nine when I was burning my own money and I saw it coming, you know, just leaking out, right? Because mm-hmm. in the hotel staffing business, I was waiting, you know, 45, 60 days for, you know, receivables to come in, you know, my mm-hmm. to get paid. But guess what? When you have fifty or hundred employees all around the city, every two weeks they expect a paycheck. Right? Yeah. Uh, you know, and 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 when you have to write that check and put it into the business account because you can't make payroll, that's a tough thing to swallow. You say, how many times can I do that? Mm-hmm. Right. It sits on the pit of your stomach. And I remember having a conversation with her. Was like going, are you ever going to make money here? Right? Or, or is it just going to burn everything that we got and we're going to sell the house and live on the street?
2: So, so how did you, so that was like around month nine.
3: Month nine is when I, I it, it was the hardest, right? Because yeah. it was in a growth period because people were starting to know us and I became a preferred vendor uh, for Marriott. So then I started getting calls from other Marriott's and, and the funny thing in hotels that I didn't, I didn't know then is that the managers like to move from hotel to hotel to hotel. So every time a manager moved, they called me, even if I wasn't there already, just because the way uh-huh. they ran, ran the business. Uh, so, I mean, about 60% of my business came from either referrals or people moving around <laughs> yeah. changing jobs. Uh, so
2: how long did that period last of that, just that sort of unknown if it's going to Write itself or if it's going to continue to sink? How long did that,
3: did uh, no, that last? Another, another nine months. It was 18 Ugh. months before I wrote my first paycheck, right? Wow.
2: How did you get through that? Uh, I cried. <laughs> <laughs> I'm crying a little on the inside for you.
3: <laughs> I, mean, I mean, seriously, I mean, it, it is a knot in your stomach all, all the time. I mean, you have to have an iron gut to be able to do that.
2: So let me ask you this, because a lot of people would have thrown in the towel long before 18 months. What was it that kept driving you forward?
3: Oh, uh, uh, this military mentality, right? Like going, it's, you know, it's, it's mission first, people always, which means my mission is to you know, provide this service. And I said I could do it, so I'm going to do it. People always means to me is that I'm going to take care of people along the way, even at my personal sacrifice.
1: Interesting. So it that sounds is- like you almost grew yourself out of business, like we've talked about a lot on the cash flow show, right? That's that's one
3: of the reasons why I teach that stuff, that you can grow broke. Right. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You're so successful on paper, but, you know, where's the cash? And, right, like, the cash flow, <laughs> so an AR turnover yeah. can be the killer. Yeah. One, one of the reasons that, you know, we built Tool, <laughs> dot com is for that reason, right? I mean, you can grow broke. I mean, you got to monitor cash, and I learned that lesson early on. Right. So, 18 months, was your whole savings depleted yet, or where was that at? I was down to about $15,000.
1: Okay. And what were the conversations with your wife like?
3: Uh, Like, we're going to make a decision here by the end of the year at that point in time. We're coming up on January about uh, uh, what my job search
1: was going to be like. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Wow. So and the moral of the story is the way you got through this was basically by being hard headed because that's what you learned to do in the military.
3: Well, but, and, I, and I, I became really focused on cash and, and you know and, and the slower payers I actually was more aggressive with. Uh, and I and, and I moved my whole company where uh, down to where my AR days, my receivable days, I was getting paid in 45 days. Uh, which actually meant I only had to cover three pay periods, which made it a whole lot easier uh, to do. But, you know, in the very beginning, I wasn't paying attention. I just was more focused on driving new sales. Uh, you know, not just driving new sales, but uh, uh, what am I going to say? Driving new sales and then doing the work, providing the service and recruiting. I was only it – was, it was the old classic thing of working in your business, and I wasn't looking at what was happening, right? So okay. when I change – and started focusing on, oh my god, I need to cash, and I needed cash because I was starving. <laughs> so uh, I, I, it was the big difference. Uh, and the way I did it was I went to the vendors, not the vendors, the hotels, and said, these people working for you, this is payroll. I don't want you to treat this like a paper towel invoice. I want you to treat it like you're writing a paycheck to your own employee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I was able to get people to see it that way, uh, we, I got paid faster.
1: Interesting, so you pulled the AR lever, and the way that you did that was by reasoning with your customer, and getting them to understand it from your perspective, getting them to really sympathize and empathize with
3: you. You know what? My wife and I actually talk about that. How do I plead without looking desperate, like we're going to close? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <Go ahead. laughs> but you it's went interesting because
2: that. you, in a way, you kind of humanized it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, because your product was humans, really. I mean, basically, you're talking about. You, know, you weren't selling paper towels. You were selling labor force. So it, it's, a, it's an interesting approach. And, and and maybe some of our listeners can take take that to heart, you know, in, in a way of, of humanizing it so that you don't look desperate and, like, listen, if I don't get the money, we're going under. <laughs>
1: right. And you didn't make it about you. You made it about them. Yeah. You said, I want you to think of it like you're writing a paycheck for them because that's really what they were doing. They're writing the check to you that covered their paycheck, Right. Right. Well, I, I, and a go ahead. It goes back to something that you've talked about, that you've taught me over the last year, especially where you know we talk about companies that sell inventory and how inventory is a core product, and so then we got to look at inventory turnover, along with AR turnover, and then of course AP turnover. And in a service-based business like this one, what you taught me, the perspective you gave me on it was that you have to look at that labor force, and that's really the inventory. The inventory is your labor pool, the people who are actually doing the work to turn over the revenue that's paying them and, of course, paying your bills.
3: But exactly right. That's why
1: I focus solely on taking away
3: somebody's reason not to work, right? If, if you work for me uh, and you say, hey, I don't have a babysitter, my team had 10 babysitters lined up, right? We just <laughs> them, who can take a kid today, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know if you said Uncle oh, well, Joe has a doctor's appointment I gotta leave early we're like no I'll take Uncle Joe to the, <laughs> to the hospital you you, uh, you, go to the doctor or go to work right so I mean mm-hmm. it was, it was the way people's reasons not to go to work that actually made us successful
2: what an interesting concept too I mean just from an HR standpoint because one of the things that I find or that I found in some of my previous jobs is that people don't um, they underestimate the value of, of retaining your employees mm-hmm. that 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 employee turnover and onboarding and training and all of that stuff is a huge expense for a company and because it's not monetized in the same way that it would be if you if you had damaged inventory in your warehouse it's yep. not it's not monetized like that so people don't don't see it they don't recognize it for what it is but i love that like taking away the reason for people not to come to work that's genius
1: yeah. Well, well yeah and I mean, so actually, i'm learning a lot here about how important perspective is and just going to your clients and giving them a little different perspective about the role you play. I love how you say, you know, don't treat me like a paper towel or some sheets that you're buying. You know, treat this as a paycheck because that's what it really is. You
0: yeah, know?
3: I mean, it, it, again, I think that was, again, the, the idea that we came up with to uh, get somebody to understand that I wanted my invoices to take priority. <laughs> <laughs> and...
1: Another thing, I mean, I made reference to you saying that you were quote-unquote hard-headed and that's what got you through. But I think that's really another way of saying you were persistent and you didn't give up. Yeah, exactly right. And believe it or not, when people
3: around me saw that, things got easier, right? You mm-hmm. actually had people wanting to see you succeed because they'd see me. They'd see me taking the phone calls at any time of the night. They'd see me coming out on site if there was a problem. I mean, even in the business, if somebody says, hey, there's a cobweb in the windowsill, Rather than send the janitor out there, i just jump in the car and go do it. Wipe it down for right. him. <laughs> right. Twice they stopped calling for little lights. So
1: I did yeah, right. So with all of that, I would love to know, like, what what's your biggest takeaway? Erica, what's your biggest takeaway from all of this about, you know, we talk about how to get through the dark times. That's what this segment is really all about. I mean, if you were down to your last 15 grand of savings, and really starting to have that conversation about maybe throwing in the towel and going back and get a job. Where did you lean for support? Was it your wife? Was it friends? Was it colleagues?
3: Uh, it, it was the wife. It was. I tell you, believe it or not, it, it was the kids. Right? Because I mean, fifteen thousand. Some people maybe on the on this call listening. They say, "Oh, that's a lot of money." Well, no one to, to us. It was about three months before you're dead. Right? Before you're broke. Right. <laughs> Right, I mean, when you look at it, I mean, yeah, I know there's probably people out there that says I had 21 cents in my pocket at one point in time. if you look at it, that was $15,000 in cash. I probably had another 50 in debt, right? Right. At the same time, so, I I mean, I was totally negative. I mean, I I owed more than I had. Uh, Maybe, because equity in my house was actually in the business already.
1: Gotcha. All right, we're gonna take a short break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about what it's like today.
0: Nerd Enterprises Incorporated is a numbers agency. We offer a wide range of services, from bookkeeping to financial modeling and cash flow projections. Our consulting services enable you to do what you do best by giving us the accounting and back office tasks that we do best. Nerd Enterprises, Inc. is one of the worldwide leaders in QuickBooks, Microsoft Excel, and other productivity-based training. If it's one-to-one or one-to-many, we log in with you, so you can share your screen and we get you through it. Plus, all sessions are recorded, so you can review those recordings anytime you like afterwards. For more information, visit nerdenterprises.com. Intuit QuickBooks is dedicated to powering prosperity around the globe for accountants, small businesses, consumers, and the self-employed. With products and services like QuickBooks Online Accountant and the QuickBooks ProAdvisor Program, accounting professionals can save time, grow their practice, and act as strategic advisors to their small business clients. By working together as partners, Intuit can help you leverage the latest technologies and work with you to create tomorrow's future innovations. Go to QuickBooks.com. Books.intuit.com to find out more. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. To find out more, email Seth at nerdenterprises.com. That's Seth at Nerdenterprises.com. Now, back to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome
1: back to the Authentic Accounting Podcast. I'm here with Erica, my co-host, and my good friend Mike Milan. And we're going to pick up right where we left off in a second. But first, Erica, you know what my favorite kind of accounting is?
2: Uh, let me guess. Real estate?
1: You got it. Accounting for real estate. And one of the reasons that I love the fact that Nerd Enterprises provides accounting services for realtors is... I think about something I learned, actually, from a client of mine from years back. He had rental properties, and he took a lot of pride in the fact that he provided a a place that he was proud of for the people who rented from him. He put a lot of time and money and effort and care into making sure that these apartments were very well kept and in very good shape, really excellent taste with respect to the furnishings, the lighting fixtures, and those kinds of things. And that made me get excited about working with a guy like that. Because I was proud to work with somebody on the accounting side who was proud of what he was doing in a space like accounting for real estate. All right. So when we took our break, Mike, we were talking about, you know, kind of how you got to the almost the bitter end, right? We're down to our last fifteen grand in savings. Scary as hell you have four kids, was it? Three, uh, three, three three. Three. Three kids. Okay. I was trying to get an extra one in there. I so was, you, know, you can count me. I was the fourth. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know and you said you know 15 grand is maybe three months worth plus debt that we had accumulated so we persevered we persisted that's how we ultimately got through and you appealed to your customers and got them to really be sensitive to the situation without looking desperate like you said and that was important by really appealing to their sense of hey I'm trying to take care of these people you know, don't treat me like a paper towel, treat me like an employee. And they heard that.
3: It, it, you know, and that made the world a difference because what changed was the speed of cash, right? And I know you've heard me talk about that, but as soon as I got them to see our invoices as a paycheck rather than a, a paper towel invoice, the money came in faster. And believe it or not, that relieved most of the pressure. Right? Mm-hmm. Most of the pressure said, oh my God, okay, now I got some money. Now I can kind of get ahead. And once I felt that get
1: ahead, I wrote my first paycheck. Mm. Okay, that I, felt good. Yeah, I mean, how does your wife <laughs> feel about that? Because you're starting to say that you're sitting down with your wife, having this conversation. What's the rest of that story? Uh, the rest, of, <laughs> the rest of that. Story,
3: during that point in time, right, right, we were more about fifteen thousand dollars, three months from, from you know, being done. And it isn't just done. I've got debt behind me, right. This is the point where you're looking at bankruptcy. Right? That's really what you're looking at, right? It's, it's days to bankruptcy and my days to bankruptcy at that point in time was 90. right? Okay. So it, 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 90 days is, is, is powering because I didn't, I couldn't see the end I, it, until the money started coming in. But in that last 90 days, the turn happened, right? And I think the turn happened with me actually feeling desperate enough to go out there and change the way the customers interacted with me. Mm-hmm. And 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 the lesson that people should learn is don't wait for that. (laughs) Right. Right. Don't don't, don't wait to almost die before you make a change. Do it sooner, do it today. Right. Get your customers to see you as a priority. Yeah. So our our conversation was, what am I gonna do? And you know, I actually started to cobble together a resume and it was ugly, right? State trooper fell business owner, man. (laughs) 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 Who's gonna want want that guy? (laughs) Right.
1: All right. So how did we get to photograph?
3: Uh, well, I, you know, I mean, throughout that, I mean, hotel staffing company made its turn. We actually started generating a lot of cash. I bought a restaurant, built a restaurant, bought a building that had a restaurant, bought nine more buildings.
2: Wow. <laughs> yeah. All right, Mike Trump.
3: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey, hey, me, many, 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 many Trump.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> like I can stand outside Trump Tower. That's <laughs> that's about as much as I get. <laughs> But, but what happened then was I had a, a competitor that wanted to come in and saw the, how I was running all the businesses together and off, made an offer. Uh, hmm. So as a planned divester, I sold most of the company. I think I, I retained uh, one restaurant and a few apartment buildings. Uh, then I did some consulting. And the consulting gig that I took brought me out to Seattle, uh, where I ran across James, Wal- James Walter and his team that were building. Uh, the- and just for people listening who may not know, who is James Walter? Dave Walter is the CEO and founder of Finagraph, uh, where I'm currently employed.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so you ran into him where?
3: Uh, just in social circles, a networking event. <laughs> ran into him. Uh, I like to say, "Had hey, made him in a bar." <laughs> but, all right. All right. <laughs> but you know, it's a, it's a, you know, just in social circles. I, I met him through a guy named Kyle Inger, uh, and what he described to me was the product he was building, which was high efficiency lending, which was automatically giving the bank everything they need to make a loan decision, and Seth, I don't know if you've ever applied for a bank loan, mm-hmm. uh, but it's a real pain in the butt, right, mm-hmm. it really it's faxing, scanning, printing, oh, I need two more of this, I need five more of that, and it takes you at least two weeks just to get the bank everything they need,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
3: and what his product did was it connected to accounting systems like QuickBooks Online, hey, <laughs> uh, yeah, like QuickBooks Online, uh, it also gathers tax returns and a few other things and puts a nice packet together for the bank to make a loan decision, all in less than five minutes. Nice. I'm like If you can do that, you just solved another problem for me, right? which was that was a problem I had of applying for a loan,
1: trying to keep our businesses afloat, trying to buy a building, trying to buy you know a business. Uh, right. As somebody who'd been through several different kinds of businesses, especially one owning buildings and having to get loans from banks probably to do so, I'm, this sounds like this really appealed to you. Hey, if I could press a button and magically all that paperwork went to the bank,
3: I'm in, right? Because I'm like, oh, you didn't just solve my problem. You solved every business owner's problem in
1: America. Mm -hmm. So So that was the beginning of Finagraph. And I remember seeing the product when it was new and I get to see the product now. But what I especially get to see is the latest iteration of the product, right? Which is cashflowtool.com. So. Tell me quickly about the evolution from Finagraph to cash flow tool. Was that your idea? Whose idea was it? How did it come to be? And yeah, then we'll talk right. about where we're headed. Re- re- really interesting, right? Because
3: Finagraph is the platform. It's really just plumbing, if you think about it that way. It's taking data from one one software system like QuickBooks to another software system like Moody's Analytics uh, loan software. Hmm. Uh, but what we can do while the data is there is some interesting things. The first thing they did was mess with asset-based lending. Right, BBC on product. Uh, then we built the Mark Score. The Mark Score is a uh, Moody's Analytics risk quality score. You might know FICO about the person. The Mark Score is about the business, right? So those two mm-hmm. different ones about you, ones about your business. Mm-hmm. Mark Score. We built the Mark Portal, which is an automatic, uh, automated loan application now that, that the banks are using. Uh, and then uh, we, we, because we were doing the automated lending. We built the FinneGraph dashboard so a banker could have a conversation with a business owner. That's really how that evolved. And and the way it got into the accounting world was I was teaching at uh, Pacific Coast Banking School, a bunch of bankers, and I showed them the dashboard. uh, And there was a CPA sitting in the room, and he goes, "Um, hey, how come you don't give this to an accountant? We need that, too. And they look at each other and go, yeah, why don't we do that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, but, but it's been a free product for about five or six years. What we found out is that bankers and accountants were sharing the dashboard with their business owners. But much like, you know, uh, some business owners, maybe like I was earlier on that has, you know, not as sophisticated about finances, uh, I needed to explain better, right? Not just the wall of numbers, not just this terms like liquidity and leverage and ratios, I need it easier. So James put me and a, a, a tech guy, and a software guy, somebody could actually write code, in a room, he said, don't come out until you find something totally different. Uh, so that's how cashflowtool.com was, was formed. Uh, and what we were looking at is, let's take the important pieces off of the dashboard. That's the history, right? Mm-hmm. Just the things that you should pay attention to. Then we said, let's look forward, and that's why we built in the Cashflow calendar which does the forecasting and stuff for you based on your history, right? It, does, it uses machine learning, artificial intelligence to do forecasting for. Now to communicate that, what we did was uh, we built it in a Facebook-style feed and made a mobile app. So all of those things together makes it really a cool tool for business owners and accountants to just communicate, put more information in their, in their hands faster. Right, cool. now,
2: And it's at their fingertips whenever they need it. It's right
3: there. You know, and, and really, all the problems I just described to you, we're trying to solve in that
1: tool. Nice. Right? Mm-hmm. Knowing about the cash flow, knowing about, you know, what, what's happening, the anomaly. I showed it to Erica. She was very impressed. And I'll tell you what I was impressed with, and I know you've shared the story. When I did my own cash flow map that I use,
3: yeah.
1: and I compared that with cashflowtool.com on my books, it yeah. was like within four days of each other when it said I was going to run out of money. Yeah, I, I've named that my John Henry moment. Is it John Henry or Jack Henry? What's that man
3: know. versus machine uh, uh, myth that there's, uh, that's well,
1: That uh, John Henry was like the Constitution guy. I think he was one of the guys who signed the U.S. Constitution. Well, one well, of Jack them was Henry. railroad, right? Yeah, laying railroad
3: and actually man beat the machine uh, while he was laying railroad. It's uh, totally of okay. the stories that are out there. I'll have to look it up now. I shouldn't even say it. But it uh, <laughs> was man versus machine. Uh, and it was amazing how our product and your spreadsheet you
1: know, where you had more knowledge than the uh, product. Right. I had very specific information. Your product was really going by patterns that it could read based on the activity. And my books were way behind by the way. My books weren't even up to date.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: you and know, it, still, and it still came saying. out four days within four days of each other? <laughs> Unbelievable.
1: Yep. That's, that's, I'm impressed. Yeah, I'm yeah. It. So, and I love how it's customizable, right? We can go in and change the settings on that heat map and say, you know what? Don't tell me when I'm going to run out of money because it's too late. So you can say, tell me when I go below $100,000 in the bank or $50,000 in the bank. And you can even change the colors. So the default is it's green if you're good. It's red if you're running out of money. And, but you can change that and make it yellow, mm-hmm. right?
2: Like slow down. Yeah,
3: I just saw a guy yesterday change it to purple and gold because he went to LSU. <laughs> Perfect. But it actually made a cool heat map calendar, right? I mean, it really did. Uh, right. so it, it made it, it's interesting you said you can change the threshold because I hear a lot of times people say, oh, I got one or two clients to work with. I'm telling you, anybody that has cash going in or coming out of their business can use this thing. Uh, yeah. If you're not worried about running out of money, you can still use it. For the forecasting, you still use it to, to just do what if scenario. What if I hire a person? What if I, uh, you know, yeah. get a new contract? Yeah, because well, you can add things in.
2: Yeah, I think that is that cash flow is sort of an, a thing that people don't always understand the, the best. And I think it's something that a lot of business owners overlook. I think it's like they get stuck in the profit and the loss. and Well, I'm making a profit, so I'm fine. But as we know, you know, profitable businesses go under all the time because of cash flow oh. issues. So
1: yeah. and I, I think this a, is a
2: great tool to simplify it and 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 make it so that, you know, just the average Joe can kind of start getting more involved in that cash flow conversation.
1: Yeah. I had a classic client call this week with somebody who said, I finished updating their projections and we were looking at their actual June 2018 numbers. And right away I saw they had a more profitable month than most months. So I know where to look. Mike, you and I talk about this stuff all the time on the Cash Flow Show. Right. I said, first place I'm going to check is, let's see what happened at Accounts Receivable. And there it was. Their Accounts Receivable had gone up by like $65,000 over the month. So I had the meeting with the client, and, I, and they started off with the exact question I knew they were going to start off with. Hey said, we're really profitable in June. Where's the money? And I said, go look at your Accounts Receivable. I said, you haven't collected it yet. you got to go get it.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, we, we do talk about that all the time. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, I'm profitable when I don't have any money. And, and you said something, Erica, is was really cool. Even profitable companies can run into this problem. Uh, one of my favorite stories is about Home Depot in 1985, where they were 21 days from death. You know how I was 90? Think about Home Depot being 21 days. 21. Crazy. I mean, uh, before they're actually trying to pull it around. What they tried to do was follow the Walmart growth method, where it was just build, 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 build. build. Uh, and they just were running out of cash. They had $12 million in the bank. Uh, I'm sorry, they had $9 million in the bank and, and uh, was burning $12 million a month.
0: <sighs>
3: that's just a I mean, and that's a big company. Uh, so if it can happen to them, it can happen to us.
1: Yeah. And I love how you talk about there's three levers we can pull to improve cash flow, right? There's the account receivable, which you did in your experience. You went and pulled the AR lever and went to your customers and appealed to them in a way that motivated them to pay you faster, right? Okay. The other one is managing inventory turnover, right? So getting your inventory to sell faster. Now, in the labor-based business, that's not really a lever we can pull, is it? Or if it is, how do we do that? Uh, well, I mean, you, you you could cut staff, but if, if you cut staff, you're also cutting revenue, right? I mean, yeah, we don't want to do that.
3: that. Uh, yeah, you don't want to do that because I mean, you hurting your ability to make money. So it's really just the AR lever. I mean, it's when you have a service-based business, you've got really your payroll, and you've got
0: what
1: they are. Right, AR. So a product-based business, you have a little bit, you have more options, right? Because you can try and pull the inventory turnover lever by maybe investing some marketing dollars to get inventory to sell faster, or look for maybe low-volume, high-profit items, that if you sell more of those, you'll improve cash flow that way. There's There's more options. And well, even if you don't spend more marketing dollars,
3: just don't replace it, right? Bring your inventory levels down, And that way the money you would take out of your pocket and replace the inventory, just don't do it. Right. right? You can manipulate your, you know, your inventory levels to increase cash flow.
1: Right. But that has to be balanced with losing opportunities to sell items by not carrying them. Like I have a client who's got a very complicated situation because they have high dollar items, some of which only sell a few a year, but if they don't have it, they lose business. So I remember the example you gave, and I'd love for you to share this with everyone here because we only have a couple minutes left, about the shelf space. And you had a product that you were trying to get into. Was it Walmart?
3: Uh, we were actually in Walgreens, and they wanted a Walgreens. to get turnover, right? Which means they wanted to buy a new box every month. And the reason why they buy a new box every month was that they have a linear foot, right, of shelf space, and if they buy a new box every month, Generate that much gross profit, which is part of their budgeting, which is part of their forecast. At uh, mm-hmm. the 12x, they don't make the money they need, and they replace you. I know firsthand.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So they get that down to and narrow that each linear foot has to generate a certain amount of profit by turning over whatever goes in that space, that's right. and that's how closely they manage this stuff. And I think that's a good lesson going from Wall Street to Main Street. Right. I agree. I agree. Hey, I tell you what, it's been super fun, set I am so glad. Hey, anytime, invite me back. Let's talk. All right. I love it. And for those of you who want to catch Mike and I on a regular basis, uh, go to cashflowtool.com and search out cashflowtool.com users group on Facebook. we got to wrap up here. Thank you so much, Mike, for being with us. Thank and, you, Mike.
2: Uh, it's always a pleasure.
3: Yeah,
1: great to see you again. You too. All right. We'll see you soon.
0: Thank you for tuning in. New episodes of the Authentic Accountant Podcast are heard every week on the Voice America Business Channel and on your favorite podcast site. Please join Seth David and Erica Ed again soon for another edition and another complete story of success. The Authentic Accountant is sponsored by Intuit. Intuit helps you leverage the latest technologies and works with you to create tomorrow's future innovations for your firm. Visit quickbooks.intuit.com.